0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to our fifth episode of Popcorn Politics. Sonali here, and with me is Brianna. Hello, guys. And we have a very exciting episode for you today. It is about um, veterans, war, homelessness, and we will be discussing all of this through music. So we have two songs for you. They both go into like veteran stories, and we're really excited to be analyzing the lyrics and talking about what these songs mean for us today.
1: Also with us, we have a special guest. He's also on the Hill of Roses. His name is Nelson Orda.
0: Yeah, and this is very exciting because he's our first guest on Popcorn Politics. And he really enjoys talking about politics in general. So I'm really excited to have him and hear what his thoughts are on the songs we have.
1: Yeah, definitely. He is one of, when it comes to the people that we work with in The Hill of Roses, he is one of the very few people that I like to nitpick um, because I love the way he thinks most of the time. So I am really glad that he's on here. Nelson, can you
0: introduce yourself? Tell us where you're from, what your role is on The Hill of Roses?
2: Hi. Hi, Sonali and Brianna. Yeah, my name is Nelson Orta, and I am with The Hill of Roses. I am in charge of editing the written articles, and I am also a writer on The Hill of Roses. I am planning a podcast. I'm not sure when it's going to be coming out, but hopefully sometime this month before the election And aside from that, I'm actually from Miami, Florida, but I'm currently not in Miami, Florida. I'm out traveling.
0: Yeah, Nelson is on a a road trip, which sounds super fun. And I think the interesting thing is, I think the reason that we wanted Nelson to come on today is because we are discussing music and music's connection to politics. And Nelson loves discussing a lot of these political topics, so I thought he would be a good addition to our episode today. What kind of road trip are you on, Nelson?
2: Well, basically, I'm traveling with my parents, and they have an RV, and we traveled from Florida to North Carolina, just making one stop, and my parents have a house over in the mountains in the Appalachian part of North Carolina.
0: Wow, that sounds amazing.
2: It sure is. It sure is. Yeah. And the weather is much nicer than Florida right now. But in about two months, it's going to be the opposite where I'd rather be in Florida than in North Carolina.
0: Because it'll start getting colder.
2: It'll start getting colder. And when you're in Florida in December and January, it's actually quite nice.
0: Oh, OK. See, I've never been to Florida, so I don't even know.
2: Yeah, and I've only been to California once, and that was, like, nine years ago. And that was only to, like, the Redwood Forest, so I don't know if that
0: counts. (laughs) The Redwood Forests are beautiful, actually. They're about, I think, eight hours away from me, maybe ten hours.
2: Yeah, I mean, they they certainly are. They certainly are. But I've never been to, like, the the major cities like uh, San Francisco or L.A. or San Diego or anything like that.
0: So, also, I don't know if... If any of you watched the debates, but we, I, th- I feel like we've had like an intense last few weeks and like things have just been getting like crazier and crazier. So we had the first presidential debate, which was kind of a mess. And I feel like a lot of people were just really frustrated with like the point that we're at. Then we had the second, the um vice presidential debate, which is kind of interesting, right? Because Kamala Harris was... I feel like she was more um, pushing back against Pence.
2: Yeah, for sure, for sure. So we had the first debate, which was between President Trump and Joe Biden. And despite everything, Joe Biden seemed to keep it steady.
0: Yeah, he, he actually did a relatively good job. He didn't have any moments where he said anything dumb. He, on the whole, he kind of presented this like, calm contrast to Trump and his like, aggressive outbursts. Trump just sounded like a child. You know, like when I was a kid, I would like fight with my brother or something and and my mom would tell us to stop fighting. And one of us would be like, but he started it. Tell him to stop. That's what Trump sounded like, I felt like. The moderator kept saying, like, you guys need to stop interrupting each other. And Trump was like, tell him to stop. He, he interrupts more than I do.
1: Oh, goodness.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, Chris Wallace, the moderator for the presidential debates, said that that was one of the worst experiences of his life. And I personally think that he should be compensated twice as much as whatever he did he was for (laughs) for for moderating that debate
0: (laughs) wow okay so let's get into today's topic so we are going to be discussing these three songs that all like tell stories about different political topics so our first song is called The wrong side of heaven and it's by the metal band five finger death punch actually all of these three songs were chosen by brianna so brianna can you tell us a little bit about how you heard about this song and what you what
1: drew you to it which song are we talking about all three of them the first one wrong side of heaven my five finger death punch. So basically I kind of ran into it by accident. I'm gonna tell you that right now. So I was with a friend, he's a really good friend of mine. I've known him for about seven, eight years. And we were in my car, I think it was like two years ago and we were just having a good road trip we were on our way to la and then it just came on he was like oh you should listen to this right and so i did and i i kept on asking him like what is this about like i don't know what's going on and he was like look at the video and you'll understand and so as soon as i looked up the video i was like oh that's what the song meant because the song is very sentimental to the whole entire situation which is veterans Homelessness and veterans and how people perceive them after they have retired, after they have been medically discharged Especially being homeless. So that's how I got into that song So your friend your was your
0: friend like personally Connected to this topic or why was this song
1: so important to him? so his uncle was in the Air Force and because his family was moving around all the time from Ecuador back to, to the United States because he was illegal, so they kept on being deported. His uncle was fighting in the Air Force. He was the only one in the family that was actually a citizen. And his uncle ended up being homeless himself with a lot of me- mental issues like PTSD. He had to be amputated because of a disease that he contracted in South, South Africa, I think it was. And because of that, he was unable to, you know, afford any health care. And because his family was nowhere in the United States, he had nowhere to go. So it kind of connected him to this song.
0: Okay, so it sounds like he felt like after he got back, like after he mm-hmm. re entered society, like he wasn't he wasn't able to fit back in, but he also couldn't go back to war because that was over. So he had he didn't really have like a home anymore. He was like literally That's homeless, true. but also like figuratively homeless. Yeah. Wow, wow. that sounds it sounds really intense it's kind of like the stories we've been talking about in previous episodes about immigrants like not mm. feeling like they can stay in the u.s because the u.s doesn't really accept them but not feeling like they can go back to their home country because because they don't consider that their home anymore either
1: Or oh, they're just feeling unsafe.
0: yeah so i think the first thing that sticks out to me is the first line of this song the the singer is talking to God, and they use um, a feminine pronoun for God instead of he, like most people. Like most people refer to God with a masculine pronoun he, but they call God she. And I was just wondering, do you guys think that was intentional or what are your thoughts? Like why would, why would they use a feminine pronoun? Or do you think it's a big deal at all?
2: It is definitely intentional that they did that. Oh, sorry for butting in before you, Brianna.
1: No,
2: you're good. Go ahead. Yeah, I I actually uh, on on that subject, I should have actually let you you go first.
1: No, you no, you go ahead. You go ahead. I'm actually still thinking.
2: Okay, so um, so this is actually a clever way to express themselves because traditionally, you know, God is perceived as this masculine figure, but then they present God in it. As a feminine figure, and it kind of does remind me of this 1999 movie called Dogma. I don't know if you've ever seen it. I would definitely recommend that you uh, you do an episode about Dogma and, and movies like it. But basically, in that one, God was played by Alanis Morissette. Really? Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I love that movie when it came out. It was with uh, Kevin Smith. And uh, the late George Carlin was in it too. And um, yes, uh, Alanis Morissette played God in that movie. So that, that, that kind of did remind me of that, but that was in a more humorous sense, but it, the song itself is, is a little bit more serious. So they're, they're saying in these lyrics, "'I heard from God today and she sounded just like me. "'What have I done and who have I become?' I saw the devil today, and he looked a lot like me. I looked away. I turned away. And that also kind of reminds me that soldiers in the battlefield, and this is very well known, is that when they are wounded, about to die, or think that they're about to die, they call out one of two names. Their, their dearest love, either you know a girlfriend or a wife, or also, they call out for their mothers. So that's that's actually what I do think about this.
0: Interesting. So God is kind of like a, a mother figure for this yeah. veteran. Yeah. So, and then in the the, um, the four lines that you just read, it sounds like they're comparing God to a woman and then the devil to a man like women are more holy and then men are like evil and
2: men are more evil they're more destructive so our more destructive tendencies come from the masculine side of ourselves
0: yeah and i'm i'm trying to figure out how i feel about that but I feel like that's an
1: interesting interesting perspective. How do you oh, feel about that? Well, think about it. God is supposed to like take care of the people, right? What is our number one what is our number one job to do as a woman, Sonali, to nurture people? That's why in the song, God is a woman because she's nurturing these people. And she feels bad because these people don't have like that home, don't have anywhere to go. So that's why she's feeling bad because she she doesn't know what to do because she's supposed to nurture and she's like, I feel bad, why is this happening? Well, men on the other hand, it's more like, just like Nelson said, all these tendencies that men have because of their masculine side. So uh, that's a really good point. I That made me think a
0: lot. I think that's a, a really interesting way to look at it. I, I feel like we do have to be careful when we like generalize things like that and like place everyone in these categories because then we kind of like teach men that they are this way, like, I don't know if you've heard people talking about how, like, boys are kind of raised in this way, where they're taught that, like, their aggression and anger is manly, and I feel like that gets us into, like, these dangerous situations sometimes, because, like, when you associate, like, aggression and anger and, like, evil and stuff with being a man, then, I don't know, it just gets, it leads to, like, bad
1: things. Yeah, definitely. All I see when it comes to men is like, you know how, have you ever seen like stuff like failed army and everything? It's mostly them getting hurt and everything. So it's just like, I don't know how to really like take off of that, but that kind of like reminded me of how men like go on with their lives, especially when it comes to when it's reported. So I definitely see that. I don't, I don't know where I was going with that, but yeah.
0: <laughs> I do like the reference to God as a woman mm-hmm. because it's not something that we see very often I feel like it's like empowering kind of
1: yeah I agree with that
2: again I have to plug that movie uh, Dogma directed by Kevin Smith I definitely recommend that you do uh, a popcorn and politics episode featuring that
1: film
0: okay yeah I love Alanis Morissette so it would be really me too that
1: would be, be
0: great her as God <laughs> So um, the next line that kind of st- stood out to me was, I'm no hero. This is a few lines down. I'm no hero and I'm not made of stone. So I feel like we, a lot of times we refer to our veterans and soldiers as heroes. But this this person, I'm assuming it's a man, but it doesn't actually say that, I think. but um, I think it's implied. Yeah, it's kind of implied. But he says... That he doesn't feel like a hero and that he's not made of stone
2: yeah of course i think what that means is that he's actually made out of flesh not stone meaning he is vulnerable he bleeds
0: yeah, it's kind of humanizing soldiers and veterans. Um,
1: and I think with, like, the DC Comics and Marvel, how we perceive heroes as ones that are immortal. I think that's where that line comes from. It's like, I'm not made out of stone. Just know that us heroes that are actually real, that actually are fighting for you, we actually bleed out. We can actually die from this, you know? And we're not, like, one of those heroes that people see on the movie theaters. So that's another one.
0: Yeah, and I think the rest of the song kind of goes more into, like, how human he really is and how complicated all of these emotions are. And, like, why he's not made of stone because he feels all these, like, complicated emotions.
2: Yeah, and that goes back, you know, thousands of years to Greek mythology. Think of Achilles, you know, the Achilles heel. He was only vulnerable in one space uh, on his body, his heel because when he was dipped into the river Styx, uh, he was dipped everywhere except his heel. So all these uh, soldiers out there, they're not like Achilles where everything just dodges and misses them. They they do get shot at, they do get wounded. And if you do watch the video in one part of it, uh, one of the soldiers does get shot. I think actually two of them, two of them.
0: Okay. Yeah, I hadn't made that connection to Achilles, but it makes sense because Achilles was supposed to be very strong, but like everyone, he had this point of weakness. And soldiers, a lot of times, like put up this like brave face, and and everyone believes that they're kind of invincible, but everyone has like weak spots. And sometimes I feel like putting on these like brave faces really like tears you apart inside. I, I kind of felt this when I was teaching sometimes, like. Um, Because I I used to teach um, high school and I only did it for a year actually because it was it was really difficult. But um, a lot of times like I would feel like I was having the worst day, but like you can never let students know. Like you really have to put on this face for students. And I, I knew that like students will absorb my energy. And so I have to, like, really keep up the enthusiasm. And and even if I don't know what we're doing in class, like, I have to pretend like I know. And I feel like all of that, like, takes a toll on you sometimes. Like, everyone thinks you're doing okay, but, like, you're really not. And maybe that's what soldiers feel like, but to a much more severe extent. What was the next thing that stood out to either of you?
2: Well, there are two more lines in the song. I'm getting closer every day to the end, to the end, to the end, the end. Or something like that, yeah.
0: Yeah, that, that really struck a chord with me. What resonated with you about that line?
2: Well, it's interesting in one very important way is that veteran suicides are a very, very important topic. And these soldiers, they go out to war, and they come back, back home, and life isn't exactly how it was before they even went into the military. And they're dealing with a lot of PTSD, and it's actually a very, very important matter. They even bring it up in the music video.
0: Yeah, it definitely strikes to the heart. It sounds like he's just going down this spiral, and... The repetition of the to the end, to the end, the end, it like brings a sense of like urgency that like if he doesn't like get help, then something really bad is going to happen. He's like going down the spiral and like if he doesn't get out, then who knows what will happen, but it might not. It won't be good. It might be like a overdose or I'm not sure what will happen, but I think and the,
1: counseling,
0: counseling is like so important for a lot of us.
2: Yeah, and they also bring up veteran homelessness, which is also another problem. So there's a tremendous amount of uh, despair. And you do see within the music video, one of the soldiers losing his family when he gets home. And then there's another soldier who is just lost in a street. And then you find one of the other soldiers who's actually doing well, and he recognizes him. And then he tries to get him help.
0: Okay, so sometimes people do stick together and help each other out.
2: Yeah, Um, yeah, but the help is not always there.
1: That is true.
0: Right. It's so easy easy for us, not just soldiers, but like anyone who's struggling with mental health to like fall through the cracks. By the way, today is World Mental Health Day. So I, I feel like this is a really important thing to be talking about, especially today. Something we haven't talked about yet is the main line of the song, actually. I'm on the wrong side of heaven and the righteous side of hell.
1: Wouldn't that be going back to how we perceived God as a woman and the devil as a man? That, yeah. I, that's what I'm curious about. Yeah,
2: Because it definitely. was just
1: like, be tying those lyrics to the chorus because that's what I've been thinking of like since we brought that up earlier and then with the chorus like I'm in the wrong side of heaven the righteous side of hell
0: right there are these two parts of him one that's making some of the right choices which are like heavenly and then one that's making wrong choices and like, sometimes it's this gray area where, like, nobody knows what's right and wrong. And, and I guess when you go to war, everything looks kind of gray.
1: I kind of and, have a feeling that when it comes to the veterans, they think that after they're done with the war and they come back home and they're found homeless, I think they believe that they did something wrong to deserve it. I think that's what it meant. As if, if you they know what belong I mean. in their hell. Mm-hmm. That's Which, how
0: I look at it, though. Yeah. That must be... That must be really awful to go through all of that and then feel like you deserve to be homeless because of what you did. Especially when society kind of like puts soldiers up on this pedestal and like sometimes you might be pressured to join the military or army because, because of like financial situations or I think a lot of people join because it helps you pay for school. And then after all of that, you come home and you're... Like, faced with all this trauma, and maybe you don't have a family anymore or a house, and also to feel like you actually deserve all of that because of what you did. That must be really, really difficult. That's all I can say.
2: And there we have it you know, the wrong side of heaven, the right, the righteous side of hell. You know, we're on the wrong side of heaven because we're not getting the nurturing that we do need. And you mentioned that right there. Um, Soldiers will enlist. So that way they can get their college paid for. You know, they get this nurturing, they get this education uh, that's needed for having, you know, productive life, having, you know, uh, a better-paying job in the future. But they are going up to war, and then they're still not getting the nurturing that they need. They are still on the wrong side of heaven.
1: Hmm. I like that. I like that a lot.
2: Yeah, and uh, I would definitely have to recommend watching this uh, music video multiple times uh, because i had not heard of this song until the two of you Brianna and Sonali you know introduced it to me you know for this podcast i had never heard of it before and i found that the music video made it much more interesting
0: i
1: agree i I actually
0: i haven't seen the video i only i read the lyrics and i listened to the song but i guess the the music video adds a different set of layers to the meaning of this song
1: yeah so basically the music video actually goes more in tone with the veterans because it's Mm -hmm. actually from five finger death punch themselves it's actually about veterans and it gives you all the statistics and all like this information about veterans and homelessness so if you have the time to check out the video i definitely suggest that you
0: do okay i wanted to share something one of my relatives sent to everyone so um my family's from india and they have some experience with the indian army like either they served or friends served i feel like we're just like a very like military connected family like both sides of my family even though like most of us haven't actually been my aunts and uncles, they went to school that kind of like fed into the army. So one of them sent this text for Independence Day, which was August 15th. So they said instead of wishing everyone Happy Independence Day, they were sending us this poem kind of. So it starts off by saying, the average age of the army man is 23 years. He's a short-haired, tight-muscled kid who, under normal circumstances, is considered by society as half man, half boy. Not yet dry behind the ears, not enough. Not old enough to buy a beer in the capital of his country, but old enough to die for his country. He's a recent school or college graduate. He was probably an average student from one of the Kendriya Vidalayas, which is like a, a school network in India, pursued some form of sport activities drives a rickety bicycle, and had a girlfriend that either broke up with him when he left for military or swears to be waiting when he returns from half a world away. He listens to rock and roll or hip-hop or pungra or guzzles and 155mm howitzer. He is 5 or 7 kilograms lighter now because he's working or fighting the insurgents or starts standing guard on the icy Himalayas from Dawn to well after dusk, or he's at Mumbai engaging the terrorists. He has trouble spelling, thus, writing is a pain for him, but he can field strip a rifle in 30 seconds and reassemble it in less time in the dark. He digs foxholes and latrines and can apply first aid like a professional. He can march until he's told to stop or stop until he's told to march. He obeys orders instantly, but he's not without pride or individual dignity. His pride and self-respect, he does not lack. And then it goes on and he says, he can save your life or take it because he's been trained for both. So I felt like this was just like an example of like how innocent kind of, we view people who enter the military. At the beginning, it said he was like half man, half boy. And he was 23 years old when he enlisted which I guess is older than a lot of people in the U.S. because I think a lot of people join when they're 18 here, right? hmm But um, still, that's very young. And I'm 28 now, but, like, when I was 23, like, I didn't know what I was doing. Imagine me going to war. Like, everyone makes choices that they regret at that age. That and true. to go through all of that, it's kind of like you can kind of compare can- it to, like, going to prison or something when you're very young and like having all of this like trauma placed on you like when you go to prison when you're like 18 or 20 you might have the same like bad choices and and then you come out and like a totally different person kind of like soldiers kind of when they go in when they're very young but anyway so they're kind of putting this soldier on they're like glorifying them and they're saying like he has like so much pride and self-respect, and he can save your life or kill you, and he knows how to like do all of the, these things. Kind of like they're not capable of evil.
2: Yeah, and what did you like about your song selections? You know, when you chose this one, um, what's the name of this song? The wrong side of heaven, the right side of hell.
0: Yeah, well, it's called the the wrong side of heaven.
2: The right, ro- yeah, the wrong side of heaven, and. It actually segues so perfectly into the next song that you all chose. Again, one that I had never heard of before, but I'm more familiar with the singer Kenji by Fort Minor because it's also the story of another soldier.
0: Yeah, so the next song is called, the next song is called Kenji and it's by Fort Minor. And it's telling the story of, I think the grandfather or Mm -hmm. mother who, it says my father came from Japan in 1905. He was 15 when he immigrated from Japan and then he, he, he worked until he was able to actually build a store. So this is kind of the same immigrant story that we've been hearing in the Tiger Tail movie that we were watching last time. This is someone who immigrated with these dreams to follow American dream and he actually he worked really hard and he owns his own store then it goes on and he's like telling us the story he says close your eyes picture the scene as I paint it for you it was world war two when this man named Kenji woke up Ken was not a soldier he was just a man with a family who owned a store in LA and I feel like this, he was not a soldier. He was just a man like goes back to that. Like, I'm not made of stone. I'm not a hero from the last song. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. And you also brought up that it's also the story of an immigrant soldier. And then it also reminds me of what you just mentioned about your family having ties with the Indian military. So th- there's like a little bit of a common theme right there. Do you identify with that part uh well, do you do it with Kenji by Fort Minor in that sense, Ms. Sonali?
0: Not really, I mean like my family is like a lot of immigrants now, like not the ones who were in the military like they all live in India, but like my immediate family, we're all immigrants and we didn't immigrate in the 1900s, so we've, we haven't been there that long, but I think everyone is a hard worker and my dad came because he got a job here and So there is this like theme of like working hard and achieving this dream that you have and immigrating allows you to achieve that dream if you're lucky.
2: Yeah, uh, my own father, he actually emigrated into, I'm sorry, immigrated into the United States back in the 1960s from Cuba. And later he did join the United States Marine Corps in the mid 1970s. So I also identify with this song in a sense. Now, my father, he could have actually served in Vietnam, but he did not. Instead, his brother actually did serve in Vietnam Mm -hmm. and he has actually dealt with post-traumatic stress disorder in the decades after that war. So that kind of ties the very first song that we spoke about to this one as well because... Uh, A lot of people who come from immigrant families also have relatives who are fighting in these wars or who have come back home from these wars. And then on top of that, there's another interesting part of this song. They called him an immigrant in Japanese. He'd say he was called Issei. That meant first generation.
0: So he's, he's still not really accepted as an American because everyone is calling him immigrant.
1: Mm -hmm. And then,
0: but meanwhile, he's running this store, he's, he has a family, he has a wife and kids and he really, he's been here like as long as a lot of people, but like everyone's calling him an immigrant, even though like, what is America? Like a land of immigrants.
2: Yeah. And exactly. If you look into the story here, the father came in from Japan, 1905, built a store This is the story of the American dream, and not only that, it's the story of the American experience with immigrants. They come to the United States to build something in the United States, and at the same time, they're not accepted as Americans, as you said earlier.
0: Yeah, they call them Japs or Issei, like it said earlier
2: yeah yeah of course of course and then there's another part of this uh of the from the lyrics right there front page news three weeks before 1942 pearl harbor has been bombed and the japs are coming pictures of soldiers dying and running ken knew what it would lead to and just like he guessed the president said the evil japanese in our home country would be locked away
1: it kind of reminds me of now when it comes to Hispanics because yeah. literally um nine in the late 1930s and early 1940s during world war two Japanese are coming um not to really harm the United States but to make a life out of themselves but here they are in internment camps in Guantanamo Bay well here right now in modern times we have Hispanic children in cages like children can't do you harm and because of the fear that we're criminals and that we're there to hurt everyone else's child or hurt families. We're locked up in a cage. So it kind of like ties up to what's happening now with us Hispanics. And it's really sad with that. But um, yeah, I mean, going back to what you guys said about immigration, people want to come here for the American dream just to be kicked out or be treated less of one. It sucks because in my experience, me having to run from ICE was one of the worst Worst experience I've ever had to deal with because not only they were looking for my dad, they were looking for me and they actually threatened me and my dad to deport us. And they actually locked my dad up for a good three to four months. So it's it's hard. It's hard being an immigrant, but I could tell it was a lot more harder on the Japanese because they were seen as a lot more criminal than us Hispanics now. So.
2: Yeah and you you brought up Guantanamo Bay, I know it's an American naval base stationed over in my father's homeland and over there they've been keeping these uh, Muslim detainees from Afghanistan and just various Middle Eastern countries and then you brought up you know the children in cages right along our border well we haven't really been to war you know with mexico uh not since like the the, the 1840s but still there, there have been like these lockups detentions and that gets into you know the current administration uh what what happened in the first couple of years with uh trump coming in well they had a muslim ban. we need to keep these people out very similar to the anti-Japanese sentiment uh, from the 1940s mentioned in Kenji. And then on top of that, we have this, in a sense, a war on the border where they're just horrifically locking up undocumented immigrants without giving them the uh, right to apply for asylum. They're just outright locking them up, separating children. So these stories from the 1940s from Kenji actually still do resonate today because we've been at war in Afghanistan for over 18 years now. And um, if I'm not mistaken, I think we're actually deploying, we we may be deploying soldiers who were born after 9-11 in Afghanistan. So the longer this war goes on, but um, all these wars over the Middle East go on. It's actually having an effect here at home in the United States.
1: Because, mm-hmm. I mean, I believe that Kenji is like one of the songs that we should resonate with right now as well, which is why we're bringing up these modern times, because it's something that has not gone away. Like, we thought that after World War II, people being put in... Really bad conditions, like internment camps and in cages would have stopped, but no. And I know a lot of people are going to say like, oh, like Obama like made these cages in the first place. But the difference is he never put anyone there. He was going to put criminals for them to be deported, not innocent children. So yeah. Yeah. Um,
2: And and then that, go ahead.
1: Have either of you heard of
0: this book? Actually, I mean, you wouldn't have heard of it because it's not a super well-known book, but it's a novel. It's called Farewell to Montsenor. So, yeah, it's a, it's a novel, and it's about this young girl growing up during the internment times. Like, her family was sent to the camps, and after that, she's growing up, she's in high school, and the main character is in high school, and she's having a hard time, like, fitting in with everyone. As you could expect, I think a lot of us as high schoolers, like, have a really hard time fitting in, but... Like, her dad wants her to be, like, more Japanese, and so, like, he gives her all these, like, traditional clothes, and then she is trying to, like, find her own place, so she tries, like, wearing these, like, mini skirts and and things like that. And then at, at one point in the story, she's like, well, it's too late to be Papa's kind of heroine, but I won't fit in with the kids here either, so it's just that like story we've all heard like too many times where like I don't fit in with Americans, but I also I'm not Japanese either.
2: Yeah, and Port Minor brings up Manzanar within uh, the song as well. The lyrics go, "So we have to live in a place called Manzanar where a lot of Japanese people are. Stop it! Don't look at the gunmen. You don't want to get the soldiers wondering if you're." gonna run or not because if you run you might get shot and um, that brings up the second part of the war itself is that so first there was a warning okay uh, the japs are coming you know this horrible language that was used back in the 1940s and that ends up leading to these internment camps now uh, i i consider uh, fdr to be you know my personal favorite president And that's mostly due to, you know, the, his new deal. But at the same time, his most grievous actions were creating the internment camps in uh, Manzanar and other places. And that is uh, another part of the story. And it also alludes to what Brianna has been talking about uh, uh, with, you know, locking people up. It's, it's very, very, it's very similar to what was happening like 80 years ago. Very, very similar. Mm -hmm.
1: But instead of the Japs, like, they're targeting us Muslims and Hispanics, mostly Hispanics.
2: Yeah, yeah. And and even then, with the president's uh, use of the language, the China virus, right? Specifically the China virus, he is doing two things. One, shifting the blame to China, but he's also stoking the fears of Chinese Americans, you know, that they're the ones with the disease, even though that they're Americans, they've been here. They've been here for generations. Generations, and even the ones who have been here more recently. You know, it's not like they came straight from, well, of course, some of them have come from from China. But, like, the vast majority of them have been living with us. And even even then, you know, what that's done is it's created a lot of anti-East Asian sentiment. Because just the other day, there was a story of a Japanese man... Who was beat up because he was thought to be Chinese?
1: You make good point something Thank you for that.
2: Well, you know, I, I have to thank uh, the two of you, Brianna and Sonali, for bringing me on as a guest for Popcorn and Politics. Yeah, this has been this has been like awesome so far. I've, I've been having a great time just talking about like these two songs because um, this is all very, very relevant. And then on top of that, there's another part of the song that um, gets more interesting. So we began with um, the warning about, you know, the Japanese and then you go into the internment camps. And then later in the song, the character Kenji joins the army. This is something that Sonali had brought up, you know, identifying with her family and their ties to the Indian army, right? So the lyrics go like this, the only way out was joining the army and supposedly some men went out for the army signed on and end up flying to Japan with a bomb that 15 kilo, uh, sorry, 15 kiloton blast put to an end to the war pretty fast. Two cities were blown to bits. The end of the war came war quick. Came quick. Mm-hmm. And wow. Ken got out with hopes of a normal life with his kids and his wife. But then they got back home and then they saw, I'm sorry, and what they saw made him feel so alone. These people had trashed every room, smashed in the windows and bashed in the doors, written on the walls and the floor. Jaff's not welcome anymore.
0: Hmm, Such a heartbreaking story.
2: It really is. It really is. It also ties directly to the other song, you know, the, the right side of heaven, because even though these characters who were in the music video are all Americans, they still feel like they aren't coming back to the home that they had before. And this is something that happened 75 years ago, you know, 1945. So uh, what I do find most interesting about that part of the song is that he was called up to, to join the army, okay so you did have japanese who were actually fighting in the us army and they were actually deployed and they fought in combat abroad and then it also mentions you know flying two two airplanes that dropped you know the nuclear bombs so you know that goes back into where this, uh, where where Kenji came from. You know his father, 1905, came from Japan. He's Issei, first generation, right? <laughs> he's going to war to bomb his father's home country. So there's like a this this horrific circle that um, Fort Minor is alluding to.
0: Yeah, he's imagine going back and fighting against your home country. That that just sounds unimaginable to me. Like if I were to, like if we were to go to war with like India and I had to join the army and possibly like kill other Indian people or like if like Cuba, if we went to war with Cuba or something
1: or Mexico. Yeah, I I wouldn't, I will not go against Mexico. I I can't. That's home. Yeah, exactly. But it's, I guess it's what he felt like he
0: needed to do in order to make it in America. Like he says the only way out was running the army.
2: Right, exactly. And Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people don't know this, but we actually did send troops into Cuba in the late 1890s uh, as part of the Spanish-American War. Theodore Roosevelt himself actually rode in with the Rough Riders into Cuba. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, the second part of those lyrics, you know, after he talks about the bomb flying over with the 15 kiloton blast, there's another part where he talks about coming back and everything's messed up where everything was broken in. So that also goes back into um, what we are talking about before with the veterans in the right side of heaven not coming back to the home that they had.
0: Yeah, and I think in the wrong side of heaven, there was this, remember we were talking about how sometimes veterans feel like they deserve what happened to them? In that song, there was this question of whether the soldiers were, just, know, like, we're just, just like, just so okay, like, and imagining that it was their fault that all this stuff was happening to them but in this song it actually it was actually very intentional Americans very intentionally made Japanese people feel like this was their fault because after he came back from the army his like home was trashed and everything and they said job's not welcome anymore so they're making it very clear that that they're blaming him for what happened
2: Yeah. And the very hatred from the beginning of the song, you know, right after Pearl Harbor is still there four years later.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like imagine feeling like you made this sacrifice for your country and then coming back and seeing seeing how much people hate you, even though like you've made these sacrifices
2: right exactly and i know brianna you mentioned you know imagine you imagine you going to you know mexico fighting a war right or sonali imagine if we're fighting a war with india and in your case you mentioned me imagine me going to fight a war in cuba which is always a possibility that that does bring in another element to it uh we mentioned before muslims and we've actually had muslims who've actually been fighting in they've been joining up with the marines the army the Air Force, the Navy, and they've been deployed to, you know, Iraq, Afghanistan, these countries where there are majority Muslim populations, and they are them, uh, they are themselves potentially going back, not exactly to their home countries, but to basically, I mean, the, the, they could actually have ancestors who came from these countries. This is the point that I'm that I'm bringing up, and in a sense, it's it's. Going back to what Kenji said, flying, you know, bombing his father's home country. So these wars, they have these circles, right? So we have these, Im- uh, we have immigrants who come to the, to the United States. They build wonderful lives. They they create businesses. They are part of who we are, and then we end up going to war, and then sending them to fight abroad, even seventy five years
1: later. Yeah, our world is just tied up to this song. It's, it's, wow. I, don't I know. know. It's like such a betrayal. Like, <laughs> like you're betraying
0: your, your own people and yourself.
1: I mean, so I didn't know that we had to talk about the song till now. Thank you. This was awesome.
0: So then they come back. It says when we first got back from camp, oh, uh, <clears throat> it was pretty, pretty bad. I, I remember my husband said, oh, we're going to stay till last Then my husband died before they closed the camp. So the stuttering, like when he says, I, I remember. And then it was pretty, pretty bad. This, that like stuttering sounds intentional too. Mm -hmm. It's a difficult topic to talk about. So they're having trouble articulating what they're saying. And, and they're not really saying much. They just say it was pretty, pretty bad. They're not, they're not actually talking about what happened. Yeah, like all they can muster is pretty, pretty bad.
2: And that's one thing I do appreciate about the Fort Minor song is that they bring in recordings of survivors of these internment camps in their own words. So there's a lot of historical weight that they are providing in this song.
1: All right, well... Thank you so much, Nelson, for being on this episode. Um, We really do appreciate your insights. It really made me and Sonali really think hard about stuff. Thank you so much for tuning in to Popcorn Politics.
2: Oh, it's been a pleasure just, you know, recording this this, uh, episode with the two of you. I've had a lot of fun doing this. And then on top of that, we've talked about a lot of very interesting things. And uh, I got to just thank you for uh, listening to my ramblings.
1: Sonali, and do you have Nelson. any thoughts or words? Yeah, so
0: these were two songs that I've never heard before, and they are going to be sticking with me for a while, and I hope our listeners check them out if they haven't done so already. We will link them in the show notes and also link some of the books that we were talking about too. Thanks to Nelson for being our first guest.
2: It's been my pleasure. Thank you, Brianna and Sonali
1: all right well here we come to the conclusion of our show thank you so much for tuning in with us if you want please follow us on spotify apple Podcasts, anywhere where you can find podcasts if you can please follow us on twitter on popcorn politic thank you so much and we'll see you on the next episode